It was the best of times. It was the blurst of times. <laughs> Toon killed his brother. Dropped a piano on his head. That baby is 50. true crime podcast (laughs) we're pivoting we're pivoting away from children's cinema yeah you might have seen this coming for some time (laughs) we got less and less interested in in disney and whatnot you know we got less interested in puppets and more interested in murder yeah and the solvings of murder murder most foul yes it is most foul and i don't recommend it I don't recommend it. After after watching what we've watched for this true crime podcast episode, I have to say, I don't think I like killing. I think it's a huge hassle for a lot of people. <laughs> I think it's generally ill-advised. <laughs> uh, so this week, we watched Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Yes. A movie that I watched as a very young child. And that I watched for the first time last night. Yes. I didn't know what to expect because I remember, like, enjoying it as a kid, but I couldn't remember why, which is always a good vibe for first or last, <laughs> I think. And you hadn't I hadn't seen, seen any it. of it. No, I hadn't seen it at all. I didn't really know what to expect. I think about halfway through we stopped to, like, refill our, our wine and I think I said, I didn't know what I expected, but it's not any of the things that happened. What did you expect? Like, I really don't know. Um, I mean, obviously there was going to be a murder plot because of the title. But other than that... Uh, 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 it could have been about the framing industry. It could have been. Who framed him? <laughs> His portrait. Like a picture of Dorian Gray situation. Yeah. <laughs> Roger Rabbit. Yeah, Roger Rabbit's the remaining picture beautiful, ages. and yet his portrait turns <laughs> begins to decay. Yeah, <laughs> it's aging, aged rabbit. Could have been about that. Yeah, could have been. It wasn't though. No, <laughs> it was about crime. <laughs> Every zag this movie took was just—I I could never really predict where it was going. No, me neither. I felt every zag that happened, I could feel it jolt my organs. Yeah. Like I was in, on a roller coaster. Yeah. Yeah, so should I just fire through the plot, just the framework of it? Yeah. Just a broad overview. Um, so this is a movie that is partly live action with some characters who are hand-drawn animation, uh, a la the penguins and Mary Poppins. Um, and it's a film noir sort of... I don't want to say it's quite a spoof, but it's not quite entirely serious either. It plays on a lot of tropes. Yeah. And it's following a wash up, washed-up detective who is investigating the murder of a wealthy TV producer, um in the hopes of clearing the name of Roger Rabbit, who is a cartoon 
animated rabbit who's been framed for this murder. Um, because the the hu- human man, the, Eddie. the the live action human man. No, Eddie is the detective. Mr. Oh, right, I didn't know what. Uh, the dead sorry, body. I didn't know which live action human man you were talking yeah. about. The dead body. The human um, dead man. Mr. Acme was having an affair with Roger's animated wife, Jessica Rabbit. Jessica Rabbit. Jessica Rabbit. <laughs> Who's a cartoon as well. Uh, so that's just like the broad outline of what this is about. Uh, so keep that in mind as we're mentioning some of the odder details. I think to go beat by beat through the plot, we'd be here for hours. There's a lot of plot, and much of it is very confusing. And it just gets stupider throughout the <laughs> whole thing. Yeah. Um, so. Eddie's got a backstory. <laughs> Eddie's our detective. <laughs> There's a scene quite early on. He's taken the job. He's down on his luck. He's an alcoholic. He's gone to the bar where his... I guess Old Flame Dolores works, mm-hmm. and, you know, he's just drinking himself into a pit. And this guy starts um, giving him some trouble about taking on a case for a, a tune, and Eddie punches him and storms off. And this is the funniest part of the movie to me, which is a shame because <laughs> it's right at the beginning. Uh, the guy who's causing trouble says, what's eating him? And Dolores stares into the middle distance and says, Toon killed his brother. <laughs> and then follows it up with dropped a piano on his head. <laughs> uh, Toon is this movie's word for a cartoon character. And they're everywhere in the backdrop. Some of them are just like bouncers at the club or whatever. And they're just like hand-drawn animated. Think like Looney Tunes. Really early Disney. Um... And there are actually Disney characters in the background. Yeah, the select few Disney characters, but which is really strange to see Looney Tunes and Disney characters together. So we've got Dumbo, Mickey Mouse is in it. Yeah. Donald Ducks. Donald Duck and Daffy Duck have a sort of dueling piano thing in a speakeasy bar. Yeah, which is, I mean, in our our age of, of film copyright being quite intense, and protective it it feels very weird to watch like donald duck and daffy duck in the same scene and like mickey mouse and bugs bunny have a conversation at one point and that was very odd Mm. the story behind this being that steven spielberg who was working on this movie um actually got uh disney looney tunes and various other uh production houses to agree to loan their characters for this particular... So he used his clout, basically, to get the characters in for this for this movie. But there were, like, things written in the rights for some characters, like Mickey Mouse and Bugs Bunny had to be shown as equals by having the same amount of lines in a scene. They had to have... In the Wikipedia page says that Daffy and Donald Duck had to be shown as equally amounts, equal amounts of talent at the piano. piano. Why? <laughs> <laughs> um, the character that I found very uncanny, who's not in it for very long, is Betty Boop, because oh, yeah. she's still black and white, even though everyone else is in color, and she's talking about how her job, it's been harder for her to find work since color was put into cartoons. Mm-hmm. She's also very small compared to the other cartoons. Like, yeah. Like, everyone else seems to be scaled to the human characters, mm-hmm. um, but she's still quite short. She's the same height as the um, penguins, the, the Mary Poppins penguins. 
yeah. who feature in this movie, who are also servers at the same bar. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was quite nice that, so this is set in the 40s? Something like that. Yeah. So they only use characters that were Disney, ooh, hang on, Looney Tunes, when did they start? All the Disney characters that were used, I think, existed mm-hmm. in that time period, right? But I'm not sure about Looney Tunes. Oh, I don't know. They had, the Looney Tunes ones they had, I saw Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck had lines. Mm-hmm. I saw Marvin the Martian. That um, cowboy looking guy. Yosemite Sam. Those were the only ones that I recognized. Yeah. Oh, a Tweety Bird. Yeah, oh, yes. He has the most annoying voice in cartoon. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's interesting. I feel, I just have a lot of questions. And I'm not too sure if this is a place to start talking about them. <laughs> but I guess it's world building, yeah. right? Yeah, it's world building. Right. Hit me with your questions. So to set the scene, dear listener... In Hollywood, you also have Toontown, which is an animated world where the Toons live, which you can access through a tunnel and presumably through various other points too. Mm -hmm. Now the Toons, some of them find employment in the human world. There's no humans in Toon world. Mm -hmm. Um, There's just lots of questions I have. How long have Toons existed on planet Earth? I have to assume that they came into existence when animation as a medium came into existence because Jessica Rabbit has a line midway through the movie where she says to Eddie, I'm not really wicked, I was just drawn this way. Mm-hmm. Which suggests that they are in fact hand-drawn and then come to life after that. So to me it wouldn't make sense for them to exist until animation existed. So follow-up question, do they have a relationship with their creators? Do they view the animators as their parents? It's a good question. I don't know. Interesting. If so, <laughs> did the did didn't did animators draw the world of Toontown for them as a place to live? Does it take up geographical space in Hollywood, or is it a portal to a different world? Hmm. If it was a portal to a different world, you'd think you wouldn't be able to get there through any other access points, which we seems to be true until later a couple of people burst through a brick wall into Toontown. So theoretically, it has dimension and space. It's not just like a tear that they can go through in this yeah. tunnel. Like it, it has it. T- it's got to take up space, or you wouldn't be able to get it from multiple spots. Mm-hmm. It's very unsettling, Toontown. They go in for a bit. Everything's kind of shaking and moving and dancing, including the buildings and the sidewalks and every blade blade of grass. You seemed highly disturbed. I was so disturbed. I was going through some stuff. (laughs) Just watching... Well, the animation... While I think... I don't know. I, I I wasn't alive in the 80s when this was made. But I was generally pretty impressed in how it interacted with the human characters, but it was very shaky. 
like, especially stuff in the background would kind of vibrate. Mm. And it also depended on the character. So Roger Rabbit was not that shaky. Yeah. They'd spent a lot, like, they had, he had a team. But other, ca- like, the baby? Yeah. There's a baby who's a baby, but also a 50-year-old man. And he <laughs> smokes a cigar and makes inappropriate comments and smacks the butts of his secretaries. Yeah. And I hate him, and I know you shouldn't hate babies. But I think because this baby is a 50-year-old... Yeah. <sighs> yeah, I hate that baby. <laughs> the, this character is... So the, the movie opens with, a, like, a Looney Tunes-style cartoon with Roger Rabbit and this baby. And Roger is, like, babysitting, and the baby's getting into all this trouble. And there's lots of hijinks, and the baby's, like, lighting burners on the stove and stuff. It's like anything you'd see in an old Bugs Bunny cartoon. Um, and then... The someone yells cut and then you pull back and you can see that all the animated stuff is like a studio sound stage and there's all these like people around and then the baby who had just seemed to be a baby until that point starts talking with this like gravelly adult voice and lights up a cigar. <laughs> it's the great great grandfather of Boss Baby. Yeah. Probably just the grandfather actually of Boss Baby. <laughs> it, it's just it's kind of horrifying. And then, like, immediately walks off set and, like, walks under a woman's legs and looks up her skirt. And oh. it's awful. And it keeps happening. Every time you see the baby, he does something pervy. Yeah. There's, there's, there are pervy elements in general to this film. Uh, there's, there's suggestions that um, Eddie has had some, like, previous sexual relations with Betty Boop. You see on his desk, there's yeah. a doll of her with her legs akimbo like that. Did you see that? I did see that. Didn't yeah. like that. Didn't Don't enjoy like that. Don't the implications. Nope. I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. It's just, yeah. You know, why would you have the if Betty Boop exists? Mm-hmm. Like, okay, fine. I don't mind that Eddie and Betty Boop bonked. Bonked. <laughs> That's their prerogative. But imagine you bonked someone mm-hmm. and then got a, a, a plastic model of them. A person you know and have slept with. And you just set it on your work you desk. Let their legs open and you just put it on their table. Yeah. Ah. Uh, yeah. Uh. Not not a fan. Jessica Rabbit is an interesting character. Yeah. She's deliberately drawn to be super, super sexy, I think, to to lead some of the characters initially to think she's, like, untrustworthy. Yeah. And, you know, non-committal to, to her husband, Roger Rabbit. And Which she should be. I would be non-committal to him. He's really annoying. He's so annoying. I'd have never married him in the first place, God. though. But yeah, like, like Jessica Rabbit is really interesting because the, like, I'm not wicked, I was just drawn that way is a really interesting line. And, like, the movie bears out that she is, in fact, trustworthy. And all of the stuff people have been like, oh, she's she's not trustworthy, she's stepping out. Everyone just assumes that that's true because she's attractive. yeah. Or, like, a particular, drawn a particular attractive she, way. And let's be clear, she's drawn as, like, the sexiest. No, I didn't find her that sexy. No. She, she's, she's, uh, certain features are accentuated, let's say. Yeah. To comical proportions. <laughs> she does, from a perspective of seeing much, much more advanced animation since this was made, she looks ridiculous. <laughs> Like, I worry, because it looks like her waist 
is so small that, like, her chest and her butt seem to move kind of independently of each other. Yeah. And she kind of swivels weirdly, and I'm concerned for the structure of her spine. You're assuming that tombs have any internal organs (laughs) or bones. That's true. And they're not just a fluid. The, the movie contained in space does suggest that they might be made of fluid. <laughs> what bothers me the most about Jessica Rabbit is the hair. Like her oh, hair yeah? is drawn in like a single line, so you can't see any individual strands of her hair, but it does move, but it moves as like a big glob. Sometimes like seductively over her face, sometimes over her shoulder, but it's got this like weird circular edge to it. Oh, I didn't even notice that. Like it, it I just it bothers me. <laughs> It's really stressful for me to look at. Just to be clear, I'm not criticizing the fact that she's drawn like this. This is the point. That she's, like, meant to to represent, like, people think that women who look a particular way are untrustworthy. Yeah. So that's fine. She's like, if every pin-up uh, drawing ever made fused into one being. Yeah. Deliberately. She's deliberately like that. Yes. But the animation is... is dated now and her hair moves weirdly and she kind of doesn't have a nose and some of us she can be a bit weird to look at because when she moves in certain ways her body bends strangely right like when she goes to sit down or whatever it's like the animators haven't quite worked out how to do that and it just like yeah. she just like jitters a bit and it's it's a bit odd <laughs> um yeah the animation for the, for the tombs you mentioned this, and then as soon as I noticed it, I couldn't stop noticing it. A lot of them have a weird glow. Yeah. And it's because I think the lighting isn't always, doesn't always make sense based on the lighting of the actual scene. Mm. Like, the lighting might be coming from one direction and shining on Eddie's face one way, and shining on Roger Rabbit's face in the, another way. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's super obvious, I think. Yeah. So I'm not too sure how that happened. If they just did the animations with before all the lighting design happened. Because the the lighting design, I remember noticing it as particularly good in the first scene, when Roger first steps off the animated platform, and you can suddenly see the shadows on him. Mm. It's really cool looking. Like, it, it feels like he's actually stepping into the real world, even though he's still 2D animation. And I was like, that is actually quite cool. But then after that, I think you're right, the lighting design gets shoddy, especially on the background characters. Yeah. Like, with Roger, he's always at least kind of lit in some way, even if it doesn't quite match up with Eddie. But the background characters sometimes won't have, like, lighting at all. No, that's true. And they'll just, like, glow weirdly. And it's not consistent between the animated background characters. Mm -hmm. Sometimes an animated character will be holding a real-world thing, Mm -hmm. and it'll look wild. Yeah. There's these weasels. (laughs) There's these weasels who all have, like... They're dressed like cartoon mobsters. They've got, like, slouch hats and Tommy guns and stuff like that. They look amazing. I love the design of the weasels. <laughs> they're, they're often holding, like, real actual, real-world revolvers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then their hand will sort of glitch in and out <laughs> of the revolver. It's like, that's not very good. Yeah. You kind of think you they're know, pulling the trigger and they're very, not. It makes me worried. I had to take a gun training course for mm-hmm. science purposes. Mm-hmm. And they weren't, those weasels 
But not being safe. Yeah. Yeah, they weren't being safe at all. I think the weasels bring me to, like, my main question with this movie, and I asked it very early into it. (laughs) Who is this movie for? Yeah. What age demographic is this movie for? I'm confused. Well, I watched it when I was about five or six, but there's things that happen in this movie that would not have resonated with me. Well, I remember distinctly learning what framed, being framed meant Mm -hmm. through this movie. I don't know what else I got from it. (laughs) Because there's like a ton of sex jokes Mm -hmm. and genuine threat of death on numerous occasions. Mm -hmm. Like, I won't talk about it too much, but the main villain, uh, who is an evil judge who's actually uh, an evil tune in disguise the same tune mm-hmm. that dropped a piano on eddie's brother's head <laughs> we never find out why he did that by the way he confesses to it but we never learn why we never learn why um so he, he is disguised as a human judge through most of this and the weasels are his henchmen and he wants to find Roger Rabbit and execute him on the spot by by dipping him into uh, this toxic waste he has in a barrel called The Dip. And he does, he, okay, in one of the early scenes, at the crime scene of the, the this guy, Acme, who died, there's this sentient cartoon shoe who has a face and is shown to react to things. Like, it's sentient. Mm-hmm. This shoe, I believe, has a soul. <laughs> Hey! <laughs> and it also has a soul. <laughs> Comedy genius right here. <laughs> the judge picks this shoe up and puts it in the dip very slowly and it dissolves so... It takes a minute for the shoe... And it screams! ...to die. <laughs> and then it creates a sort of like red blood-like pool. And this is the villain's main weapon. He wants... Like, at one point, he, he, he at the midpoint, he, he captures Roger Rabbit and is hanging him over this barrel, and I'm like, this is awful. Yeah. And it that was the moment at which I was like, at first, when I was like, who is this movie for? Because on one hand, the villain is played by Christopher Lloyd of, of Back to the Future and the Addams Family, and he's got, like, this sort of fun, zany cartoon energy, which is great for, like, a kid's movie villain. He's dressed in all black. He couldn't look more like the villain if he had a sign saying, I'm the bad guy over him. He's just, like, sinister and tents his fingers weirdly and says sinister things. And you're like, okay, this is obviously the bad guy, even though we're pretending we don't know yet. Yeah. So that makes it seem like this is for children. But then the horrible, agonizing death of that cartoon shoe just made me be like, what's going on? And then, like, all the jokes, like, the pervy jokes the baby makes. Who is it for? Who is this movie for? I'm so confused. I also think in this movie the stakes are too high for what the villain wants to achieve. So the, the villain... Okay, I have to mention this because it's the plot, but it's yeah. really dark. Yeah. He wants to eradicate the entire of Toontowns and use this dip, this toxic waste, to, like, literally kill all of the Toons in Toontown. He's got, like, a crop duster that he's gonna use to spray down 
the entirety of Toontown, and they're trying to, like, break mm-hmm. through a brick wall to get into it. And when pressed as to why, he says it's because he wants to use the land that Toontown is on. Okay, so it is a geographical space, obviously. I don't know what I was thinking about. Mm-hmm. He wants to use the land that Toontown is on and turn it into a huge freeway because he has a company that has privatised previously in some other scenes some public transport initiatives in town, some trolleys and stuff. And now he is... He wants to build a freeway and he wants to put loads of, like, gas stations and shops and cafes and stuff, like, across the freeway for money purposes. At, so, so therefore, he needs to kill all the tunes. The stakes in this movie are too high. I'm just gonna say it. Yeah, the stakes are incredibly high for what that plot is. It's not even like, I'm gonna evict all the tunes, which would already be quite dark. No, he's just gonna kill them all. In what we've seen to be a really slow and agonizing death. Yeah. Like, a normal film noir does not involve, like, a genocide subplot. Mm-hmm. So this is, the vibe of this is way off. It's bizarre, and yeah. And disturbing for kids. Maybe this is why I didn't remember it. Maybe it got to this point and I was like, ah, I'm gonna selectively forget ever having watched this. <laughs> yeah, because, like, a lot of the drama of it is over Mr. Acme had the deed to Toontown. And they want it because Mr. And they killed Mr. Acme because he was planning on signing it over back to the tune. So they owned their own part of the city. Um, so they killed him and wanted to find the deed, but they couldn't find it because actually um, it had already been taken by Roger, who wrote a note for Jessica. On it got mixed up with another piece yeah. of paper. There's a lot of shenanigans with this piece of paper, but they couldn't find the deed. And so a lot of the subsequent things they do is looking for this deed. And really, the plot wouldn't have changed all that much if they had just been like, we're going to evict them all and put a freeway through it. And I I think that would have been, like, sufficiently high stakes without being, like, horrifying. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. I guess you wouldn't have had the cartoonish toxic ooze, but I could have done without that. Yeah. And, like, maybe if you wanted to erase Toontown, given that they're animations, if he'd had, like, a big giant rubber. <laughs> okay, I know to North Americans that means condom to some of you. I've been, I've, this is not my first rodeo. Okay. <laughs> She's talking about an eraser. Erasers. Here we call them rubbers. It's a thing that erases stuff. And I'm not against saying eraser. But I've been down this path before, Shannon. <laughs> you know, pass me that rubber. What? Uh, so, if he has a giant condom and he wants to erase... <laughs> <laughs> if he has a giant eraser, maybe, if he wants a cartoon weapon mm-hmm. and just wants to quickly erase Toontown. Still horrifying, still mm-hmm. huge stakes. Less disturbing is this dip. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. They just kind of, like, melt as though they've been thrown into acid. Yes. This doesn't affect humans. Mm-hmm. But yeah, a bit, like a big cartoon pencil with a big eraser on the end. Like that, yeah. I don't know if you've seen the, the Looney Tunes bit where it's just Daffy Duck on a white sheet of paper and there's like a big hand that comes in and draws stuff throughout it and he has like an argument with the artist through the whole mm. thing. And eventually the artist decides to try and erase him and he's like batting away the eraser. It's, it's quite good. It's a classic. 
I don't know, I haven't seen it in years. Maybe it's not as funny as it was when I was six. But Okay, well maybe in that case the Looney Tunes people just didn't hand Spielberg the rights to the character of a racer. <laughs> so he was like, oh I guess I've got to go for horrible potent acid instead. <laughs> but, it, but, but I just don't understand the villain. First of all, out of nowhere, what, what's the, why does he want to build a freeway? That seems weird. Why did he kill Eddie's brother with a piano? It seems fully out of nowhere in like the longest conflict sequence ever. Because he's got this um, machine. This, it's this, a crop duster. Yeah. yeah. The, the, and the weasels are operating that and they keep on almost spraying uh, Roger and Jessica Rabbit who've been tied up. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Eddie, who's family background is that they've worked in the circus but he's been repressing this for a long time because of tragedy purposes it's like ah I'm gonna use my circus skills to laugh these weasels to death (laughs) so he keeps on doing a series of like clowny japes type things Mm -hmm. and then the weasels find it so funny that they literally die yeah and they have like a a greenish weasel ghost with a little harp and angel <laughs> wings just drift out of their bodies. And then he spends like, I don't know, what, five days <laughs> of our time trying to kill or at least incapacitate the villain who is revealed to be a toon mm-hmm. after he gets squished by um, um. some sort of plow. It's a shit. What's that called? You know what? It's it's, it's what like... you know in Bob the Builder. It's whatever Rolly is. <laughs> it's the Rolly thing. Oh God! It's what you use to like flatten cement. Um, the squish boy. Yeah. He gets squished by one of those, <laughs> and and just sort of stands up again in a horrible rubbery way, and like his body sort of pops back into shape. Um. We never learn his motivation at all. No. We don't learn... The death of Eddie's brother is not directly implicated in any of this stuff with Acme or Toontown. We get the sense it was at least a year ago. His brother's desk is covered in cobwebs and stuff, so, like, there's no sense that Eddie's brother was investigating this and that's why this guy killed him. Yeah. Not at all. He's just like, I killed your brother. Alright, like were you just a a serial killer before you decided to take up gentrification? Like, I don't... (laughs) What's your deal? Maybe his deal, if they thought this through, was like, he wants to to, um, take out any legal protection that the Toons might have. So if you've got some detectives who are working on behalf of the Toons, Mm -hmm. then if he kills those or puts them out of a job... Then no one's advocating for the tombs. But he put no effort into killing Eddie at any point. Just but his brother. Just his brother. Yeah, <laughs> he knew that Eddie was going to become an alcoholic after this. Yeah, he he knew that Eddie would then start holding a grudge against the tombs who he previously uh, was an, a strong advocate for. Um, <laughs> and would no longer be a detective, so he thought, ah, I'll just save a piano and not drop one on his head. <laughs> Little did he know. <laughs> was it a human piano or was it a cartoon piano? I wonder. 
That's a good question. Because I feel like the tunes can just defy uh, any law of science. Yeah, they do say that the dip is the only way to kill a tune. So they get very, like, well, like anyone who's seen a Wile E. Coyote cartoon hit by trains and, like... Anvils. Anvils. <laughs> falling anvils and pianos and fall down holes and off of cliffs and... Are Daffy and Donald Duck playing cartoon or real-life pianos? They're, I can't remember. They're real-life pianos, but the keys are cartoon. Because the keys are, like, rising up off of the piano in, like, waves, as you do in any sort of cartoon scene. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. Well, no matter the source of the piano, it's, it, 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 it's, it, it's, you know what I find funny is the Wikipedia page said that Tim Curry had auditioned for the role of the villain, but his audition performance was deemed too terrifying. enjoy Christopher Lloyd's performance but Tim Curry would have been delightful yeah he yeah he would have (laughs) (laughs) um so Eddie is is this character in the confrontation he's like a bit of a sourpuss he's gone through like the trauma of losing his brother and he's sort of the straight man for the antics of Roger Rabbit who Mm -hmm. is a character that you love so much Uh. I hated Roger so much. <laughs> By the end of the first scene, I was like, oh no. I think all of Ro- Roger does a lot of really long, sort of verbose, circular speeches. And this is not uncommon in like little animated shorts. Um, but it, it really wears on you in a feature film. Yeah. So all of his lines when he gets going like this, feel about 30 seconds too long. Yes. There's just a bit too much tacked onto the end of every single thing he does or says. And he's only ever saying one thing. He's like, okay, two things. One, I love my wife. I miss my wife. I'm going to win her back Mm -hmm. because I love my wife and I miss her. I love her so much I'll win her back. Mm -hmm. That's one of his lines. (laughs) <laughs> and the other thing he says is oh come on Eddie uh, all you need is laughter laughter is the most powerful gift in this world come on Eddie laughter will solve your problems and he speaks at about twice the volume of Eddie and makes everything Eddie's trying to say take ten times as long because he keeps interrupting <laughs> and it's like I said, I think this would be fine for a short-form cartoon that goes maybe like 10-15 minutes. Yeah. But it's just too much for a two-hour movie. Way too much. <laughs> you just feel like the plot is just spinning its wheels in the mud as Roger just talks and talks and talks <laughs> and gets them into trouble by being too loud and talks and talks. Yeah. Oh, he's exhausting. Mm-hmm. And there are bits where he gets kidnapped. And that's when I felt most at peace with myself. He gets hit on the head with a frying pan and knocked out at one point, and I said out loud during the movie, good. (laughs) (laughs) You did. (laughs) It's just so hard for any plot to get around him. And the movie's already, like, a bit too long. (laughs) Yeah. 
Meanwhile, when he's being kidnapped, we're watching a fairly graphic assassination scene of a movie executive. Yeah, there, there's this guy called Mr. Maroon who runs the the tune Maroon's Cartoons, I think is the name of it. It's the name of the studio. Um, and he was, I think, in on the plot with Acme, but then gets killed after, in on the plot to kill Acme, but gets killed after the fact. Yeah. For reasons that I've forgotten. Yeah. It's a bit convoluted. Yeah. Weasels are involved. Jessica Rabbit's involved. Assumed involved, but isn't. The, the, the crime plot of this movie makes no sense. Because... Okay, so the way that Roger is framed is that Eddie, who's down on his luck, takes some money from Mr. Maroon um, to get proof that Jessica Rabbit is having an affair. Um, And he goes and takes photos of Jessica and Mr. Acme. Um, And there's, like, a a bit in it where they sound like they're, they're... making an innuendo they're like oh jessica and mr acme they were playing patty cake and there's a like protracted scene where they talk about this and then he puts down the photos and like one after the, another they're literally playing the the game patty <laughs> cake and it is quite funny yeah um uh but like obviously the the implication is they're having an affair and this is what upsets roger and roger kind of flies off the handle and runs out of the room mm-hmm and then the next day, Mr. Acme turns up dead. So they're like, Roger did it. Yeah. We saw him get angry at this affair. But then things get very convoluted as more and more information comes out that, like, Jessica was blackmailed into the affair to yeah. protect Roger's career. Yeah. Is that what, where that landed? I think. The thing with Jessica is that she's got lots of opportunities to tell Eddie the truth of the situation. And yet doesn't until the end. Yeah. So that's not great. She does a series of like increasingly incriminating things, including being the one who hits Roger on the head with the frying pan. <laughs> and I'm still not sure why she did that in the logic of her character's plot line. <laughs> I don't remember why she did that. <laughs> um, I'm not sure it's ever made clear. <laughs> yeah. So let's just say... That she's having an affair with Acme. Mm-hmm. Let's say that Acme didn't die, and they decide to fall in love. Yeah. Should they decide to have kids? Can they? She's and a, what would that child look like? She is a cartoon, and he is a human person. Can this happen? Well, it depends on how cartoons are born, because if they have to be drawn... Well, this might be the first generation of toons. Yeah. We don't know what's going to happen next. That's true, we don't know. Well, they've been going around long enough that that baby is 50. So. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you're right. So, Toons, if that baby was drawn and is counting his age based on how long it's been since he was drawn, then Toons have existed for at minimum 50 years. If he was the first Toon ever drawn. Because he's the only one we get an age for. Yeah. Um... The oldest and wisest of the tunes, <laughs> the baby. <laughs> that baby with a cigar. Uh, so I feel like this must have come up before. Obviously, if Eddie's had some sort of fling with Betty Boop and 
Like, I, I feel like they've got, like, toon babies must have to be drawn. Yeah. Do you have to go back to your original creator and be like, we want to adopt, can you please draw us some children? Yeah. That look like they might be related to us both. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I wonder, so if this is like the first generation of Toons, and Toontown, thankfully, does not get destroyed, mm-hmm. then let's skip to the this, you know, year of our Lord 2020. The most wonderful year <laughs> of the decade. <laughs> it's setting a route. Really low bar. Yeah. It can only get better from here, right? <laughs> right? We've hit rock bottom, but I'm sure we can dig. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember thinking in 2014, oh, it's got to get better from here. <laughs> this is really politically quite bad. And um, and it got worse. <laughs> anyway, so let's just say it's 2020. Yeah. I wonder how tunes now exist in society. I hope it's become less segregated because there does appear to be significant toon persecution mm-hmm. in this universe. Yeah. Are there other toon towns in other... Like, does Edinburgh have an Edinburgh toon town? Or is it just Hollywood? Yeah. As animation starts to move uh, to different places, too. Because mm. obviously there's... I mean, there were animation studios in Vancouver where we both worked for a bit. Yeah. It's quite dangerous, really, because someone could make a really deadly character. Mm-hmm. Someone could draw a tune that's a world destroyer. Yeah. And that's now in existence. Well, what happens, like, if you, I watched the animated Justice League when I was a kid. Like, is animated Lex Luthor just walking around? That's bad. That's bad, because it's not just tunes that these tunes can try. It's like humans, too. Like, the... Those weasels had real guns. Yeah. The, a cartoon weasel can come into your house and shoot you. <laughs> a toon killed Eddie's, Eddie's brother. And likewise, well, we could only kill toons with with acid. Yeah, they can't die. Yeah. So what are you going to do to cartoon Lex Luthor? Yeah. Or, I mean, I watched Batman the Animated Series. What about the cartoon Joker? That's not good. No. I was getting to fight the real Joker. Get all the Jokers together. And put him in a pit. Into the Spider-Verse style. <laughs> the Jokerverse. <laughs> and make them fight animated Joker. <gasps> oh god, can you imagine that? Like, a bunch of Jokers in one room. That would be a terrible movie. I'd hate that so much. Yeah. What about when, like, adult animation became a thing? Like, animated stuff that's not for children. With, mm. like, mature themes. How do those characters even interact with each other? Yeah. Like, how would, how would the protagonists of Futurama interact with Bugs Bunny? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how would Mickey Mouse get on with BoJack Horseman? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. And there's, like, cartoon, like, cartoons get remade and remade, especially in the comics. Mm-hmm. Like, so, yeah, you're gonna have a situation with, like, a bunch of animated Jokers. Yeah. And stuff. They recently did, redid She-Ra, didn't they? Yeah. So you're gonna have all those characters killing their 80s counterparts. <laughs> Kill your double. <laughs> like, I don't, 
I don't know. I imagine they're just like fighting each other with their huge shoulder pads. <laughs> so they can just wipe out one another. Yeah. Yeah. In this but... Ragnarok of tunes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what are you going to do with all the cartoon Spider-Men? All the ones in Spider-Verse alone, but also like animated Spider-Man and then Spider-Man from the Avengers cartoon. There's a lot of there's a lot of Spider-Man kicking around. What about CGI? What about those like Oh god. Like like Disney live actions with that aren't live action, like The Lion King. Oh. What about cats? Oh. <laughs> Now we're asking the real <laughs> questions. What if the Jellicle cats in the movie... Well, here we go. Is this... Are they proper tunes? Because they're real actors like Idris Elba and Taylor Swift and, and, and James Corden and whatnot. In motion capture. In motion capture. So... Okay, but what if it's a bunch of just, like, cat husks? Ah! <laughs> so all the bits that are animated that aren't, like... Judy Dench's no. face. But they're all quite small because they're to scale, right? Yeah. So they're about the size of a coffee table. Faceless cat husks just shimmying around. Yeah, and then they go and try and hunt down the people who played them in cats. <laughs> so, like, Jason Derulo's gone into hiding because the husk of the Rum Tum Tugger is out for blood. Wow, you, you just invented the best horror concept. Best horror concept ever. <laughs> Good God. I'm gonna dream about those faceless shimmying husks just jittering with their feet slightly above the cobblestones. Oh. <laughs> Here we go. So if if cats, which are humans in motion capture costumes, mm-hmm. through this magic in Who Framed Roger Rabbit, create these animated cat husks which are separate from the humans that portrayed them in their green suits in the first place but by logic we're gonna have to deal with Thanos (laughs) Shannon that's too much not only Thanos but um the dragon and the hobbit is motion capture Benedict Cumberbatch Yes. You know what? I'm more scared of Thanos, but that is a terrifying concept. <laughs> I'm thinking just size, you know? Because, like, animated Thanos may not have an infinity gauntlet, but animated dragon would be quite big. Yeah, but by this point, you've already got so many animated dragons. You've got Benedict Cumberbatch dragon, you've got the dragons from Shrek, any cartoon dragon you can think mm-hmm. of. Puff the Magic Dragon. Puff the Magic Dragon. You've got Daenerys' true dragons. Yeah. From Game of Thrones. Yeah. Plus, uh, no, not necessarily plus the White Walkers, but the dragons for sure. Yeah. Um, that's, they're fully CGI. They didn't even use someone's face for those dragons. Yeah. <laughs> and as we know, they're quite dangerous. They are. I don't want to spoil Game of Thrones for you guys, but just exercise caution before supporting someone who may or may not have access to CGI dragons. <laughs> In my opinion, my personal opinion, I don't think it's worth it. There's so many dragons, you're so right. 
so many animated dragons. SpongeBob what, exists. What about? I did my master's thesis part of it on the Guillermo del Toro film Pacific Rim. <gasps> oh no! I see why you're going with this. <laughs> and in that movie, a great number of CGI monsters destroy cities around yeah. the world. They're very big. They're all Godzilla-sized or bigger. Okay, but you also have the CGI like mech suit things. Yeah. So that's okay. So theoretically, this is my way in. And I am going to train to be one of the people who operates those robots. Because I think I have the tactical expertise to kill a kaiju. <laughs> because you'd use the sword right away? Because I'd use the sword. Listen, if you ever watch Pacific... <laughs> I love Pacific Rim when I watched it. Shannon showed me it and she was concerned that I wouldn't like it, but I did. However, there's these monsters, these sea monsters from space, and then there's these big robots that people can operate from the inside uh, by sharing brainwaves with with another person. And what is shown to kill... Every time a monster gets killed, it's because someone uses a robot sword to slice the monster. And there's something else that also happens every time there's a fight scene. You might think when there's a monster nearby that you, as a as the robot, you should raise your arms very slowly <laughs> and deliberately, and then hit the monster with a great force. That's not a good idea because you're moving your arms up so slowly that the monster each time will come and knock you over and get you in the robot stomach. If you have a sword, you can slice it, and you should. Uh, so that's my case for being um, what are they called? A Jaeger pilot. A Jaegermeister. Yeah. <laughs> If anyone, hey, if anyone out there feels that they might be drift compatible with me, hook me up, hook me up, hit me up, and uh, we can we can use correct tactics to defeat these monsters that are gonna happen in this universe this that is, Shannon's invented. This is the most practical use my master's thesis has had so far. Pacific Rim is my all-time favorite movie, but I think, and I say that having not seen all movies, and I'm confident <laughs> that there won't be a better one. Um, <laughs> Uh, <laughs> and you've seen Cats, which is quite I've a good movie. And I've seen Cats. Uh, but I do think it would present a significant problem in this world where animated things just spontaneously spring into life if we started getting kaiju. Yeah. Because we wouldn't have a problem with the original Godzilla, because that is a person in a suit on a to-scale city. Yeah. Um. So that would not be a problem. But... By the time you get to Pacific Rim, and then you get to the more modern Godzilla films, I don't know at what point they switch over into CGI, but they do. And then Godzilla King of Monsters, where you've got, like, the three-headed King Ghidorah. Yeah, that moth thing. Oh my god, if there was a giant moth, I would learn to ride it. (laughs) I'd be like Moth Daenerys. (laughs) Except it wouldn't be that dangerous, because I don't think the moth can breathe fire, can it? No... But it does, it, it, the moth can, I think, heal people. Oh, great. Sick. Yeah. Well, so yeah. You could, you could ride Mothra. Yes. When I was growing up, sometimes moths would get into our house, really big ones. And any time a moth got into our house, my dad would be like, look out, it's Mothra. <laughs> Is this why so many people are scared of moths? Maybe. Mothra's never the villain in Godzilla films, though. Mothra's always a good guy. Yeah, if Mothra can heal. Yeah. How does it heal? I don't know. Oh. I was busy looking at the shiny, flashy lights in that 
monster movie. Godzilla King of Monsters is incoherent and messy and amazing. <laughs> and the animation is beautiful. And the plot makes no sense. And it's mostly monster fights. And I think everyone should watch it. <laughs> Twice. <laughs> Shannon, do you think <laughs> Prince Roger Rabbit was cursed, blessed, or blessed? Um, I'm having a tough time with this one, personally. I'm having a tough time. I mean, it's not blessed. Is it fully cursed? It might be. It may be a high cursed for me, because yeah. it's incoherent and, and made me feel uneasy. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's gotta be cursed because of all the, like, the the pervy baby, and then the, like, way too high stakes plot, and, mm-hmm. and that sort of bit, I think, tips it over into cursed. But it was a fun cursed. I like, mean, it's highly acclaimed. Like, mm-hmm. it's on the Wikipedia page. People still rave about it today, saying it's, like, one of the best uh, uses of that technology and anything. And, like, I, it's definitely not one of the ones that I'd steer people away from. Because sometimes we'll have cursed movies, and I'll be like, never watch this. Yeah. Don't waste your time. Yeah. But this, like, I, I wouldn't steer people away, I don't think. No, it isn't. And I think we were both saying yesterday, we, we were engaged. Yeah, I wasn't bored. I didn't astral project once. Not once. Mm-hmm. Which is unusual for this podcast. And there were some genuinely funny bits in it. Um, and, yeah, it was, it was engaging. Yes. I was going to say it was fun, but I'm not sure that's correct. <laughs> yeah, it was... I'm glad I've seen it, and I'm glad I've caught up with it again. Mm-hmm. So I know what the actual plot is. I, I don't know. I don't know exactly who it's for. Um, I imagine this was a confusing watch for families in the cinema at the time. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't, at least it wasn't a who is this for on the order of, like, Cat in the Hat, where every single moment of it, you're like, no one will find this enjoyable. I think it's that this one, it varied from moment to moment who might enjoy certain things. Mm -hmm. And then there was some stuff that just sucked. But things like how cartoonish and obvious the villain was seemed obviously for kids. Yes. But then, like, the murder plot seemed like kids wouldn't understand it at all. No. So, but it wasn't, like, an inherently bad plot. Like, it was a fine noir plot. Mm Mm-hmm. And the characters were mostly fun. I liked Eddie. Yeah. Yeah, um... I liked Dolores. Yeah, she was good. It was just, it just did vary sort of who things were for. Yeah. Yeah, so, like, I, I don't think it would get a high recommendation from me. I still think it is quite cursed, and there's a lot of quite dated stuff in it. But I don't think you shouldn't watch it. Yeah, it's not one I'd warn you off of actively. Yeah. But I do think the implications of Toontown are a lot to, to sit with. This is, again, a Castle Blast classic. You must always think of the implications. Always. And if the implications of your movie are that knee-high cat husks are going to chase Judy Dench through her house, then maybe maybe you should rethink the implications of your film. 
<laughs> I'm going to have nightmares about the cat hearse. You know what also would be animated and real, if, if following this logic? Most of the monsters from the movie It and It 2, <laughs> the movies that we love so much, <laughs> that's a problem. That is a problem. Like, Pennywise when he's a giant spider at the end? Yeah. Don't like that. Didn't like that. Um, except... Some of that would have been done with uh, makeup and motion capture, so like only bits of Pennywise. Oh no! <laughs> Essence of Pennywise. The <laughs> just new just the spider legs. Oh no! And like the reachy fingers, and then the rest of it is just a clown suit that's empty. Oh god! Um, I'd rather Pennywise be there. Yeah. I'd rather Pennywise be anywhere. He's a fun guy. <laughs> It's a good time, pal. It's a good time, pal. <laughs> Our man, Pennywise, from <laughs> It too, and also It. <laughs> uh, so, folks, we are going to take a little hiatus. Not for too long. Like, three weeks max, I would say. Yeah, I think so. Um, because we have other life events to attend to, and things to safely do in quarantine, and we're going to be safe. Make sure you wear a mask, folks. Wear a mask, folks. Other things need to be attended to in life. And summertime is happening. So, you know, we need to drink little margaritas and, and, and sun ourselves. Yes. Uh, we say in Scotland. <laughs> it's <been laughs> rainy for like three weeks. We planted some plants like three weeks ago. And most of them haven't germinated. And the ones that have look pretty sad. Yeah. Because there's just been zero sunlight for three weeks. <laughs> I'm worried about them. <laughs> um, so we're going to be off. But fear not, my dear pals, because we are to be found on many other, well, basically, you can still listen to our other uh, repertoire. This is now episode 26. If you think about it, that's over 26 hours of just talking, us talking about stuff, mostly about Pennywise. You can listen to us for a full day and then some. Oh God, you can. Oh my word, you could. (laughs) Don't do that. I mean, listen to us, but don't do it in one go. I don't think that's a good idea for anyone. (laughs) Um, But yeah, we're going to still be online. So if you want to reach out and talk to us, you're more than welcome to. Uh, Just want to point out as well, you know, in the age of accountability, if we ever say anything in the podcast and that you feel uncomfortable or you think needs to be addressed or you just want to talk about in general, we are... Uh, always open to discuss things and take things on board and edit whatever so you can find us on cursed or blessed instagram that's probably the best place to to find us to contact us unless you know us in person in which case just uh shoot us a message or talk to us with your face mouth (laughs) (laughs) not your other one but for the next few weeks we're just gonna be uh yeah just you know chilling so, and if you have any meme suggestions, because we're going to re, re, um, revamp our Instagram for, for memes. Yeah. Get, get more into that again uh, in these lazy days of summer. <laughs> Summertime is Reach out. Time. Be chatting. We're here. And we are on Podbean, Spotify, iTunes, Apple Podcasts. We are no longer on SoundCloud, so don't even go look in there. And we're in your hearts, most importantly. <laughs> and you are in ours. <laughs> In your ears, in your hearts, in your minds. In an empty husk of a CGI cat stalking you down a street. <laughs> meow, meow, meow. <laughs> uh, catch you on the flip side. <laughs>